When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. Welcome in, Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast. Glass Sheen in for Cattles today. Of course, the show brought to you by betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports and LinkedIn jobs where nearly 40 million job seekers go to find the candidates they want to talk to faster we are reacting to uh super bowl 50 i've already lost count 56 57 56. what is it again 56. 56 so the uh the aftermath three days later and uh how this connects to the new england patriots so greg um let's start from a Patriots standpoint as we've discussed in the past they lost four or five down the stretch uh to go from the top of the afc uh, to being blown out in the first round. How do you feel the way the Super Bowl shook out, Rams, Bengals, how it connects back to the Patriots? Yeah, well, I mean, I think we'll get to that in a minute, Brennan, but I think I think the big thing is, um, you know, it's just, it's amazing what's happened to the Patriots since they were like the top seed in the AFC at nine and four. I mean, you know, losing four or five down the stretch, getting blown out against Buffalo in the playoffs. Uh, Dave Ziegler, who, uh, from all appearances, knocked it out of the park his first year as director of player personnel, succeeding Nick Casario, goes to Vegas. Josh McDaniels, who uh, nobody has more experience as a uh, Patriots uh, offensive coordinator than he does, um, leaves to become the head coach. He takes, you know, he takes like five people with him from offense. Um, QB coach, wide receivers coach, O-line coach. Ivan Fears, the running back coach, is likely to retire. Joe Judge is back as an offensive assistant um, officially. Mike Reese is, to, is mentioning Matt Patricia as a possible play caller um, on offense. Um, it's just it, – it's amazing. I mean, if you wanted to go back, you could go back to the end of the 2019 season and sort of look at things. Uh, I know on this podcast we've talked about that a lot, that, you know, since – um, you know, about Thanksgiving that year, uh, their records under 500, but, you know, I'm sure a lot of the Patriots fans out there that are listening to this podcast are just like, you know, what is going on with this team? How are they going to recover? And, and look, I understand it's easy. It's easy to panic and say they're going down a bad path and they might be going down a bad path, Brennan. Um, I'm not going to just whistle past the graveyard on this. Um, they are they are in a tough situation. But I, I also think people need to be a little bit patient. I don't think everything is done yet as far as the Patriots go. We've talked about it. Um, I don't think it's over for Bill O'Brien coming here. Um, I really don't, uh, especially what what's transpired in the last week with McDaniels uh, taking a mm-hmm. bunch of staffers to Vegas. Um you know, my dream scenario is Brian Flores comes back here as defensive coordinator. Do I think that's going to happen? No, probably not. Um, but 
you know, I, I, I would be concerned about what's going on on offense with, you know, Mac Jones. I thought he was in the best situation possible that you could dream up with Josh McDaniels there teaching him from the ground floor, this Patriots offense. I, I I'm also not, you know, I'm not going to sell Mac short and say like, well, he, you know, he needs all this help. I don't think he needs a lot of help. I think mm-hmm. what people don't understand is they look at like, say Tom, look at what Tom Brady did from year one to year two. And he was like the fourth string quarterback as a rookie. We're talking about Mac Jones was groomed to be the starter, basically from the start, as soon as he got here last off season. And he got, as soon as Cam Newton left, he got all the reps um, had pieces around him that were that were young in the offense as well that they will be in in year two and so I think that um, you know Mac Jones is not your ordinary year one to year two quarterback he's way ahead of the curve he's very smart he did a lot of these same things at Alabama so I don't think that if they had to go with a little bit less experience and I do think another name to keep an eye on is Jerry Shaplinsky who was here as the quarterback's coach, went with Joe Judge to New York. He would be a great tutor to bring in for Mac Jones. And I think you get some of those pieces that fall into place, Brennan, and I think that the Patriots are not in dire straits that everybody wants to make them out to be. It doesn't look great. I'll admit that, and I am worried, more worried than probably I've ever been about the Patriots and their their hierarchy. But I don't think it's over, and I think people need to be patient. Yeah, I think something that comes to mind, and it's not being given enough attention. And, and look, to their credit, they went ten and seven. They made the postseason in a rookie quarterback's uh, in a rookie quarterback's rookie season. Um, something that comes to mind. You brought up, you know, Brady, and it's easy for us to use the the Brady trajectory as an example. Um, I just I thought back for a second once you brought that up. Charlie Weiss was the offensive coordinator for Tom Brady for four straight seasons. Like he had some continuity there. So he allowed Tom to learn the system in place. So that way, when they did transition to another coordinator throughout the years, O'Brien and McDaniels, just go down the list. There was some familiarity and there was a chance for Brady to learn and adapt and get an opportunity to settle in. I think the elephant in the room here is did Bill Belichick expect Josh McDaniels to leave? And I'm starting to think that he didn't because it doesn't feel like now, like you said, there's still a sliver of hope that Bill O'Brien does indeed come back. But is that fair to say that did Bill not expect maybe Robert Kraft too? Did they not expect McDaniels to go? I think that's not being given enough attention. Well, it's, it's a great point, Brendan. And one that, you know, I haven't really spent a whole lot of time thinking about, but, um, if he didn't, it's because Bill's not talking to Josh enough. And and that often is the case inside that building. I mean, that's how you end up with Josh McDaniels agreeing to become the Colts head coach. And then suddenly, once the season's over and he talks with Belichick and Kraft, he's like, oh, well, I kind of like my situation now, so I'm going to stay. It's because Bill doesn't – he just looks – he seriously just looks at the next game in front of him. Um, mm. I, I think it's – you know – to me, when you look at the Patriots have, you could make the argument, and I'm sure there are Patriots fans who will not make this argument and will go against it, but you can make the argument that the Patriots have been pretty mediocre since winning the Super Bowl in 2018 um, in a lot of different ways. And to me, it goes back to sort of Bill stopped looking down the road as far as personnel, coaching, 
you know, being one step ahead where he starts. One thing, Brendan, when, when I've covered this team, you know, for a long time since yep. since the 2010 season, and I viewed them from afar before that. And the one thing you could always count on the Patriots was like clockwork. And I did a column on this, I think, early on in the season. They always had succession plans for everything. Like you could basically, when I did do my, and, and I'm in the middle of it doing right now at BSJ, where I look at, I look back on the previous season and I'll look forward and I'll put a depth chart together and buy contracts and player grades and things like that. And you look at it and you can say, you can almost predict, all right, well, they have an expiring contract here. They don't want to be left short, so they're probably going to pick a guy in the middle rounds here, or they're going to sign a veteran free agent. And Bill just stopped doing that. Um, you know, they had no succession plan in place for Brady. They had no – I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo was there, but then they traded him. You figured, all right, well, they'll get going again. Did they? No. You know, no. Jared Stidham was not a succession plan. Rob Gronkowski completely covered bare at tight end when he retired, which – he had already threatened that he was going to retire. You can go on and on. And, and, right. you know, now they're in the position where at cornerback, you know, JC Jackson, they're screwed. If he's not back next year, who's the number one or even number two cornerback on this team. If they have to tag and trade JC Jackson. And then you look at the coaches, you know, yeah. Charlie Weiss was here. They had Josh McDaniels, like, you know, Josh McDaniels wrote up, took out a full page ad in the Boston globe today. And he even, he even mentioned it in there about how he went from the defensive side of the ball to being the quarterback's coach for like two years under Charlie Weiss. And, and they had that going. And, you know, sometimes you're just going to get raided and that's going to happen. But, you know, it just doesn't seem like they're prepared for any of this stuff. And so, you know, your, your point about um, did he think Josh was going to go? I bet, you, I bet you he thought that Josh was going to stay. Like, what's the point yeah. in now, I'm, you know – It'd be nice if he just would have said, hey, Josh, let's have a conversation. I'm only going to do this for three years. I'd really like to turn this over to you. So why don't you stay put? But I don't there. I can tell you there was never any talk like that. And I only bring that up because they took a quarterback in the first round and they had to make a change at the position. As we know, after the seven and nine season, everyone was calling for it. But it makes me wonder when you're trying to develop a young quarterback to your point about filling out your staff. Now you've got to worry about personnel making decisions, not one year down the road, but two or three years down the road. You put it in our show rundown. Like Bill is basically challenging himself to do everything. And look, sorry, Bill, we, uh, you, you did this to Brady uh, years ago, but with your age, <laughs> I don't know what your contract situation is, Bill, but I'm sure it's pretty good. But at your age, at this point in time, that's a lot to ask out of Bill Belichick. And I think we discussed this a few weeks ago, like rely on some people now, not just your friends, because we, 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 we folks get on Bill mm -hmm. for just recruiting his friends to come coach him, but at least someone from outside of the building. I know there's been chatter about Adam Gase, uh, maybe a chance Patricia will come down to run the offense. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a, there's a lot well, there. Brennan, we need, we need yeah, answers I mean, soon. I, I, yeah, I think it's I think it's valid. I mean, uh, you know, if you're Robert Kraft, or you're Robert and Jonathan Kraft, do you really want Bill Belichick? And we saw, we saw what the Patriots were with basically a head coach offense, which is what Josh McDaniels does. I mean, certainly Bill Belichick is in the meetings and given direction on the game plan every week. Sure. But really, it's Josh McDaniels managing the entire offense, and we saw how that went with Bill. All right. 
he gets more involved on defense after the Dallas game. Yep. They got better on defense. The special teams were a disaster. Now at age 70, we want him more involved with the young quarterback, which is fine. You know, I'm sure he's going to have the two meetings a week like he did with Tom Brady, and yep. there'll, there'll be a lot of teaching there, and I'm sure that'll be great. Uh, but, you know, now he's going to be – you know, there's even been talk about Bill being the play caller on offense. And, like, well, what does that mean about the defense? Are you going to name Gerard Mayo and let him – run the show, which I think that he should, especially after hearing him talk this uh, Super Bowl week and in his appearances and how he came off. Um, you know, Steve Belichick, are you going to do it there where, you know, he's the outside linebackers coach? Yeah. How did those guys do this year? How did Matthew Judon finish the season? How did Kyle Van Oy finish the season? What's happened with Josh Uche and Chase Winovich in their development? Like, you know, Bill, I, I, I I do bring up that I don't mean to be an alarmist, Brennan, and and I, you know they they call me the wet blanket of reason, you know, for a reason, and you know I try to be real and I try not to overreact, and and I'm trying not to overreact to this. I do think there's a path forward, though, you know, if if you know if Matt Patricia can be more involved on defense, even though I'm not crazy about that, or you know Joe Judge gets a little helps a little bit with special teams in ad, in addition to his offense duties, and Bill Belichick gets more involved on offense, then I do think, all right, then I can see a path forward. But you know, right now they're scrambling. They don't have an old line coach. They don't you know they don't have a wide receivers coach. I assume Joe Judge is going to do that uh, since that's what he did his his final season here. Um, Ivan Fierce. Let's also mention. You know, they have lost Dante Skarnecki and Ivan Fears in recent years. Probably Ivan Fears. He hasn't announced it yet. But two of the best position coaches I have ever seen. And trust me when I tell you that those guys were um, not crutches, but a great asset to Josh McDaniels and the younger coaches on this staff, that they were always there, door open, willing to help, wanting to help, uh, bringing them along. And now that's just gone. And it's just, you know, how are they going to, going to replace these guys? They have guys in-house. Troy Brown can be more involved. Billy Yates on the offensive line. Um, you know, I don't know who's going to do QBs. Um, I would like to see Adam – like you talked about, you know, we talked about succession plans. So it would have been nice. Why not bring in Adam Gase like a year ago, you know, to, to be the quarterback's coach or something like that so you have an ace in the hole should McDaniels move on. And just mm – -hmm. All of that stuff has stopped, and it's it's put the it's put the Patriots. I am more worried about the Patriots and their future than I ever have by far. Greg, you're not the wet blanket. See, what you're doing is you have the ability, and fans have a hard time doing this, and that's okay because they're fans. They we can separate Bill the coach who can cover up a lot of his personnel mistakes and Bill the offseason magician, and. What we're trying to say is, at least I am, I don't think Bill is awful at it, but he needs some help along the way. Just think of it this way, people. If we say year after year for Tom Brady in his last three years here in New England, oh, he needs more weapons, he needs more this, we're saying the same thing about Bill. He needs this coach. He needs that coach. He needs help. The problem is Bill's got to make that call and have that reflection that, okay, yes, I do, I do need to handle these issues in terms of my staff he has to have that self-awareness and we're we're lacking a little confidence in that i think right now if he's got if he's got time that's the other thing I mean, timing is key 
has he has is it too little too late for him to have everything lined up in the McDaniels departure and now McDaniels plucking from the Patriots brass I think is causing some problems here so hopefully now that Bill's back after a nice trip away with uh wherever yeah, where did Bill know, go? a couple weeks off you know we saw him at Mar-a-Lago I mean you know no need to go to the senior bowl and talk to people about being assistant coaches or anything like that you know make sure Make sure you get that rest and recharge time, even though their season ended, what, like a month ago? Uh, but anyways. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to add on the Patriots before we move on to the Super Bowl? Uh, uh, I don't I don't think so. Don't okay. Think so. Do you want to tell folks about Bet Online again? I do. I definitely want to do that. Football right. might be over for the season, but basketball is in full full steam for both pro and college hoops. The Celtics are red hot. So are my Scarlet Knights. Huge game against the Illini tonight. I'm worried about Kofi Coburn. That dude is a beast. And we don't have any meat. Uh, We have Almamore down there, but he's a little skinny. But I will be checking out Bet Online to see what the line is because the the Scarlet Knights have won three straight games against ranked teams for the first time ever. We're going to make it four tonight. For, from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50, your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. Reacting to the Super Bowl, we might have ourselves a Bet Online sharp here in Greg Bedard, who finished the year at nine and four in the postseason uh, against the spread. Am I correct when I say that nine and four? Yeah, ATF? I ended up being both because the Super Bowl I had, I picked the Bengals, but uh, the Rams didn't cover, so I uh, I split there one one and one. What What was your final score prediction for the game? Twenty three twenty, but in but favor of the Bengals. So I got the yeah. score right. Just reversed. That's what books needed. Books needed the Rams to win and then the Bengals yeah. to cover. So they got their wish. Um, let's start. Let's, let's get some game thoughts, uh, even though it's a few days later. But there's always a way to, to connect what it means and what we kind of just discussed about the future of the Patriots and the landscape of the National Football League. The Shanahan McVay coaching tree. Um, yeah, that's pretty evident, isn't it? It is running laps around uh, the Patriots. And I heard you on Maz this week. Felger is at a point being Sean McVay as the number one coach right now in the NFL. And I think Mike, be, Mike might be onto something there in terms of just what he's built around the league. His, uh, his former ascents are making noise, building great programs, and McVay gets himself a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not. I could separate sort yeah, of, um, you know, give me Bill Belichick in a, as a game coach um, against McVay anytime, and I'll take Belichick. But, you know, there's no question that I think you look at um, how McVay, and, and this goes back to Mike Shanahan and, more importantly, Kyle Shanahan, you know, who's also done okay um, for himself. Um, yep. 
you know, these, these guys were really all Kyle Shanahan guys in Washington. That's where it started. And you just look at the way they have set things up from, you know, basically they handpicked their own personnel guys. Um, you know, Shanahan has Lynch in San Francisco. McVay has um, Les Snead in L.A. And they sort of, you know, form a partnership. And, um, you know, just in terms of, you know, their, I think their, their system, the offensive system, the way they're, they're able to replicate it. And, you know, look, this was the culmination of it. You know, there's Sean McVay and former McVay assistant Zach Taylor going head-to-head against each other. Um, you know, we have yet to see Bill Belichick come even close to, to facing off against one of his protégés in, in a Super Bowl. And, you know, McVay gets his Super Bowl title. Uh, I think that, you know, I think the foundation is the offense that I think is simple. It's it's simple and effective. It's able to, uh, you know, you're able to transfer it from player to player. I mean, you look at, you know, just year one, Matthew Stafford comes from, you know, being in Detroit, he comes here and he wins a Super Bowl. I mean, that's basically unheard of for a, for a quarterback in his first season in a system right. to win a Super Bowl title. Um, you know, I, I think that you, Brady did it in Tampa. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, it's the power of, you know, to me, it's Brady, the power of Brady in Tampa and also the talent around him. No, but um, real how, quick, how, to, to, but to your point, we could just say, well, Brady's Brady, right? How Brady played in right. Tampa. Stafford validates what you're getting at. So I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. I, I, pre- I appreciate that assist. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I think that, you know, you also look at, you know, guys like Odell Beckham come in halfway through the season and they're, you know, dominating in the postseason. Um, you know, you look at the the Patriots, you know, you just compare like systems, the offensive system. We've seen people struggle. Cam Newton struggled with it his first year. So did a, mm-hmm. countless receivers. Ocho Cinco, um, Joey Galloway, Mohamed Sanu, um, you know, is basically the equivalent of Odell Beckham and Nikhil Harry. Sanu was, you know, <laughs> half a season rental, gave up a second round pick, paid him a buttload of money for nothing. And, um, you know, you look at the assistants and what they've gone on to do. Matt LaFleur, uh, you know, Mike LaFleur is the, you know, Jets offensive coordinator. You know, you have more guys coming down the line. Mike McDaniel in in, in Miami, Kevin O'Connell in, in Minnesota. Um, you know, all these guys are proliferating around the league and, and they're doing well. And, you know, not to say I, I think Josh McDaniels is going to do well, but that's the second time around. Um, you know, so I think in many ways you look at it and, and I'm not here to tell you that I, I do not believe that Sean McVay is a better coach than Bill Belichick. And I don't think that that Rams team was a great team by any stretch, uh, even if they were fully healthy. But uh, I think what they've done to this point to me uh, has been very impressive. And, you know, if you're an NFL owner, you can understand why they're hiring all these Shanahan McVay guys, because they've basically all been successful, especially the guys on the offensive side of the ball. And, um, you know, Belichick's sort of the OG, the original, but I think now, and look, me saying this about McVay isn't any sort of slight to Belichick and what the Patriots have done. And, and I'm sure people will be like, well, you know, they have won six or, you know, if you want to count Brady, seven Super Bowls. So, you know, what What are you talking about? This is not a no contest. Look, that was a long time ago. And, um, 
you know, there's no question that the pairing of Belichick and Brady was historic. And, but they're never going to be able to do that again. Nobody's ever going to be able to do that again. But in the realm of the whole rest of the NFL, what McVay's doing, you know, that's obviously the way to go and the the way things are working right now in the NFL. Yep. If there's, if there's one thing that McVay can say that Bill, it's still early, I suppose, but so far, assistants of the McVay Shanahan tree are are working, and that might just be because the league is changing too. To be fair to Bill, um, and they're the you know, changing. yeah, and they're younger. You know, yep. I, I think that's a bonus. I mean, because the these players, the players, the that league are coming is young. The league now altogether. Yeah, I mean, they, these are not the same players that came in in the early two thousands to the league. You know, who mm-hmm. played four years of college and all this stuff and. And, you know, there was no social media and, you know, what have you. And, you know, they didn't really comparatively, they didn't make a ton of money compared to, you know, what these guys are making. And I think you can make the argument, not that I'm saying that, like, you need to have a younger coach to relate and things like that. I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't believe that, but, uh, you know, I do think that the way McVeigh has handled his players, you look at, I mean, Jalen Ramsey, Vaughn Miller, Odell Beckham you're talking about not so much Miller but Ramsey and and uh and Beckham are coach killers they've been coach killers you know in every place else yet it's able to work and McVay's able to find out a way to do it without restricting what they say to the media or you know uh you know do your job and and you know every day is a you know trudging into the building sort of thing um you know they're they have shown that there's a different way to do it. I think it appeals to the players around the league. And I think, um, you know, I think the Patriots have been caught a little bit shorthanded there. So I thought the game was great, too. The first half, even though it was low scoring, I thought it was compelling, the product on the field. Um, the third quarter is where things got stale. Um, yeah. But you're, you, you still – it still had your attention because it was still a close game. But – you know, they're trading punts. There was some sloppiness on on third down. The Rams had great field position a few times. I'm like, oh, man, mm-hmm. Stafford really is going to give this game away. They had some great opportunities there and could have really, in my opinion, taken off. And they thought um, – you, but you felt that neither quarterback was all that great. I don't necessarily disagree. I thought Burrow was fine. I thought Stafford was fine too. But you, you felt – and we got a few more minutes here. But just uh, you felt neither quarterback was all that great. I, I don't disagree with you. Yeah, I I didn't think the quarterback play was great. Now, you know, I people who listen to this pod know that I put a lot of emphasis on how much quarterback is, uh, how much pressure is generated on a quarterback. Like yep. if it gets to a certain level for a certain type of quarterback, they're just not going to be effective. I mean, for Burrow to be pressured 40 over 40% of the time and being sacked 7 times, I'm sorry. No quarterback if if Tom Brady was pressured that much in a Super Bowl, He's losing the Super Bowl. He just is. And, you know, yep. conversely, Matthew Stafford barely had any pressure on it. He was pressured five times in the game. Um, Burrow was pressured 22 times in the game. And, you know, it, it was a lot of the game was easy for Stafford. I, I, you know, there were a few throws. I mean, the touchdown throw to Odell Beckham was a dime. Yep. The no-look pass to was Cooper awesome. Cup was awesome. But, the, you know, the touchdown pass was fine. I didn't think it was great coverage. I didn't like how the Bengals didn't really adjust their coverage once it was once Beckham went out and it was clear that the Rams were going to put 
cup on the outside to take advantage of that matchup against Eli Apple, the Bengals didn't really change. I hate teams that don't change. Um, you know, a lot of that drive was like little dinks and dunks, like five, six yards, you know, check downs, Cooper Cup, but, you know, you know nothing, you know, great. But I, I thought Burrow came out panicky. It looked like he was beaten into his head for two weeks. you got to get rid of the ball. We can't protect. You know, I think his average in the first half was like 2.35 seconds to pass. Yeah. That's just not sustainable. Then they tried to, they tried to uh, take – more shots that expose them to more hits. Um, yeah. And Stafford, I just thought was, you know, I thought he was, I thought he was good, but you know, I didn't think he was great. I thought this was at the bottom line, the team that protected their quarterback better. And the team that was just a little bit more talented won the game. It wasn't any sort of magic formula. And I, I don't believe in all this stuff. Cause trust me, everybody loves to write and talk about, Oh, this was the great adjustment that won them the Super Bowl. The Rams just started bringing an extra guy so they couldn't, you know, double somebody. I mean, that's not rocket science. That's what the hell you've been waiting for. And I will say, I thought that the Bengals, one thing that stood out to me watching on film, I thought that the Bengals, once Beckham went out, they played a lot more man and the Rams were having a lot of trouble with that. And then all of a sudden later in the game in the fourth quarter, they played a lot more zone and the Rams were able to pick that apart. And I thought a lot of the Rams biggest plays, the other point I want to make is a lot of it was scheme. You know, the second Odell Beckham big play, you know, two guys ran into each other because of scheme, you know, Cooper cups getting open because of scheme. It's not, it wasn't great throws. It was, you know, that's the McVay scheme. And I thought they hit on some really good plays, key plays. But to me, just at the end of the day, the team that was a little bit better, won the game, and I thought largely this was a mediocre Super Bowl with mediocre teams. We have a mediocre champion, and that's sort of how I left feeling. I was just like, well, okay, fine. <laughs> I don't get, I don't really get on Burrow, though, for that. I think, to, to, to his credit, offensive line was brutal, the whole playoff run, so I, I kind of understand why he was trying to get rid of the ball because on the other side of it, if what if he takes more, you mentioned the pressures, right? What did you say? 22 pressures in the game? Yeah. 22, 22. So, I mean, what if he takes double the sacks he ended up taking? I mean, I give him some credit for trying to get rid of it. As for McVay and Stafford, I think McVay was like, I want to run the ball because I don't really trust my quarterback right now, but we haven't had luck running the football. They, they've made adjustments there. So yeah, I mean, it was very meh, but it was competitive. It wasn't like it was a, more than a one score game the whole way through. So there was some drama there at the end. And Aaron Donald made a hell of a play at the end of the game. A great player, talent, like you said, yep. ended up winning out in that game. Before we go to our uh, BSJ question of the day, uh, Greg, more on LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, let's see. It's a new year and it's feeling harder than ever to find and hire qualified people you need, especially for small businesses. That's where LinkedIn jobs comes in. They make it easier to find the people you want to talk to f- faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. Use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified. Then use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. 
LinkedIn Jobs helps you find candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visited LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Bedard. That's B-E-D-A-R-D. That's linkedin.com slash Bedard to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, our bostonsportsjournal.com member question of the day. Check us out over at BSJ3999, our annual plan. Not only do you get the top-notch analysis of all the Boston sports teams, but if you're a Patriots junkie and you're listening to this podcast, so it makes sense that you are, a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis. Bedard does on the coach's film and direct access to him in weekly chats. Great time of year to do so with the offseason and a lot of questions. Greg, what do you have today for a question? Well, I was going to pull a question, but, um, you know, one okay. thing that I t- – talking about the Super Bowl, um, you know, I'm sure people want to know, um, you know, what I thought of the officiating in the Super Bowl. So, you know, I figured well, out – Of course. Me. Yeah. Um, You're so, typically someone who doesn't go here, though, but I guess you have to have – No, a and I'm not, I, and, I, and I'm really not. I do think that – I do think that the call on Logan Wilson, which I did not like, that was not holding. It was a bad pass. I do think, though, it was a makeup call for the play before. I thought that the check down to Henderson, he had no chance. Uh, Pratt, who played an excellent game, I thought both uh, Kansas, uh, both Cincinnati linebackers, Pratt and Wilson, played awesome games. They were incredible in this game. Um, I thought that Pratt completely held Henderson, and there should have been a flag on that play. Um, and they should have had a first down there. I do think that that was a makeup call. Wilson and what's also interesting is that on the next play which was the offsetting plays if I remember correctly it was the uh they they called the right tackle Havenstein for holding and then there was a hit in the back of the end zone the holding call Brendan watching it on the coach's film first of all wasn't holding um certainly not at that point in the game it wasn't holding but the guy who threw the flag was Ron Torbert the referee so I thought he didn't like the Wilson call, and I think he was he was throwing a flag to make up for that one, which was a makeup call. But then the helmet to helmet hit ruined the makeup call. So I think that I think that Torbert wanted to make it after he did, he was like I'm. I think Torbert basically said to himself, "I'm not giving a team first and goal at the what was it the three and a half four after the penalty yep. on third and five, um, and he was going to make it first and twenty to say, all right, well." you know, at least we're going to make it fair. And it was very iffy. And then, uh, but then the helmet, the helmet hit ruined everything. And uh, so I do not look, I thought either way, the Henderson hold should have been called. It wasn't. So the Wilson one was called. I don't have a problem with it. I didn't like the refs interjecting themselves at the end of the game, but I thought at the end of the day, certainly the one on cup, the corner route, that was definitely should have been flagged. The guy basically tackled him in the end zone. Uh, but you know, I, I think that in the end, all things sort of evened out and I didn't have a big problem with it. How did you see it? Agreed. Getting interjected at the end and not to mention, uh, beginning of the second half, the T Higgins, uh, off a 75 yard touchdown. They didn't call offensive PI. Right. And that that's kind of how you feel like, all right, it shakes out because that in theory is not a score for Cincinnati and that could have changed the whole game. Um, had they not scored on that 75-yard touchdown to begin the second half. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it kind of they just had to get involved there at the end, right? And that's where I 
Stafford looked iffy. He made great plays at the yep. end, like you said earlier, but it makes you wonder if it's fourth and eight, are they converting there? I don't know. Cause he had happy feet at the end of that game. Um, I agree with you. I was waiting for him to cough it up. And I do think, I do think that the two interceptions, even the one that went off the receiver's hands, I thought that was on him. I thought it was, I thought it was late. I no, it was early. He got a, he thought there was a pass rush coming. He got a little panically. He threw it early and that led mm-hmm. to the interception. So I did not think he played greatly. Oh, there goes your mic. Craig, uh, thanks for having me on again this week. I got to run. Um, great stuff. And then we look, we look forward to your coverage throughout the, uh, the off season here. A lot, a lot to get to draft, but not just draft. We got to figure out who's coaching with Bill Belichick this year. Exactly. Thanks buddy. I appreciate it.